This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, you're with Lynn, and tonight we're talking about the upcoming state elections, particularly through the lens of why every vote matters. So we'll start things off by speaking with the folks behind Kini News Lab's election simulation calculator, which lets people predict the outcome of the state elections by exploring GE15 data. And then later on, we check in with Berse about how to convince people to actually get out there and vote. So tell us, how are you feeling about the state elections? And will having more data persuade you to cast your vote? That number to call is 7733-2900. Tweet us at BFM Radio and send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U-Mobile number 018-789-8899. This is Inside Story. is 6.09. So um, the highly anticipated state elections are, as we all know, nearing and are scheduled to take place in six states. Selangor, Penang, Negeri Sembilan, Kelantan, Kedah, Terengganu. The dissolution of assemblies will start tomorrow, starting with Kelantan, Selangor, and then so on, so forth. So in light of that, um, there's been a lot of news, a lot of headlines. And in fact, just today, Kini News Lab released their election simulation calculator, which is an interactive article allowing people to predict the outcome of the upcoming state elections by exploring GE15 data. The article, if you want to look for it, is called State Polls, How Far Can the Green Wave Go? And uh, it features you know, like its name, a simulation calculator. It also features an interactive map to show what could have happened had there been concurrent state elections in 2022 without split voting. So that's what we're going to be starting off our show with, talking about the calculator itself, the article, the kinds of findings that have emerged from that. Later on, we are going to be talking about the vote, because what else? Um, but let us know, how are you feeling about the state elections and the deluge of news that have been coming out every day? And will having more data persuade you to cast your vote? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. And now, um, it's a pleasure to have in the studio with me two people who are part of the team behind the election simulation calculator, both editors from Malaysia Kini. I have Aidila Razak and Andrew Ong. Um, Aidila, Andrew, thanks so much for speaking to us today. Yeah, thanks for having us. So, okay, let's start by talking about the election simulation calculator itself. I kind of give the, I gave the briefest of introductions, but what does it cover and why was it put together? Well, I mean, let's start with actually introducing the Kini News Lab because I'm not quite sure. Sometimes people get confused about what it is. So the Kini News Lab is a unit within the Malaysia Kini Newsroom, which does uh, data journalism and interactive storytelling. So for this project, what really um, made us want to come up with a simulation uh, was actually the night of the uh, polling polling day in uh, GE15. So... That night, we were tabulating the, the results and putting together the results for the, for the audience. And I think a lot of us were surprised, or at least we were blindsided by what was happening in the north of the peninsula, where PN was basically sweeping the states. So 
going into the state elections, we really wanted to understand the landscape a bit better. We wanted to see how deep and how wide were their victories in uh, GE15. And the only way to do that is to look at the granular data. And that means obtaining the data from um, the SPR, uh, actually paying for it and doing the analysis and finding out um, what sort of conditions uh, are required for what sort of outcomes. Mm. So basically for us to prepare for the state elections. Right. And so you mentioned that information from SPR, paying for it and so on. What kind of information did you get? How did it then make up the calculator? So um, we, we bought what is known as the score sheet from the Election Commission. So it contains voting data with uh, granularity down to the individual ballot boxes. So that allows us to piece together how people voted at the state constituency level in the six states, even if uh, concurrent state elections were not being held. And so that's kind of just the data. How then did you shape out the, the story and how it was going to emerge to the audience? So uh, in order to uh, analyse the data, we had to think like politicians. So uh, for a lot of politicians, in order to get in office or to stay in office, they think about two things. Uh, one is how do I ensure a high turnout of my supporters at the ballot box? And secondly, the second variable is how many percent can I steal from my rival? I wanted to know something, actually, because, uh, Adila, you started off by talking to us about the, um, the what people have been calling the green wave. Um, and I think in the, in the months since, we have seen a lot of people try to understand it through a variety of ways, right? People either try to understand it politically, they try to understand it in terms of sentiment, they try to understand it in, you know, just... People have tried a variety of lenses to make sense of it. How does information or how does specific data help in terms of how we can shape the way we understand why people are voting the way they're voting? I think if you, if you have the data, like Andrew said, the data is down to your uh, polling uh, ballot boxes as well as uh, by streams. So by streams, we can know the age of the voters. We can say like, there was a lot of theories already that, oh, this is a TikTok election, young people are voting for this or the other, but we cannot really prove that until we see the data. So the data actually, we are able to see that. And then we are able to see how, um, yeah, just how, how wide and how deep is the victory. Because of uh, our system, even if you win by one vote or 10% of the votes, you're the winner. But are they really that prominent in that state? Is it possible to swing them, swing the voters away? Is this really the uh, tsunami that, that people say that it is, or is it just kind of just, uh, I don't know, what what's a smaller tsunami, a small wave? <laughs> yeah, so so I think, yeah, that's the reason why we have this data and to, to be able to kind of look at this data at this level is to be able to measure whether this is as big as it is. So then what are some of the key stories that you've seen emerge from this? Where are the numbers most interesting or most telling? So uh, what we can tell uh, for a fact is that like what Adila was saying, whether it's a wave, a ripple, or a tsunami, we are seeing a green tsunami in uh, Kelantan and Trenganu, where the popular vote for this, uh, for Perikatan National, was close to two-thirds. Uh, that allowed them to win every parliamentary seat in, in those two states. Um, in Selangor, Penang, and Negeri Sembilan, it's 
it's kind of like a gentle wave pool um, <laughs> where it's um, it's not really a ripple, uh, but it, even a small wave, even a few inches of water can be uh, dangerous. Okay, uh, but o over in Kedah, uh, things are a little bit more interesting. Uh, so the uh, the popular vote that Perikatan National had was uh, around fifty six percent. So it's very close to the fifty percent mark. And now that um, BN and Pakatan are, are working together, so assuming that there's full transferability of votes. Uh, within the BN and the PH cohort, then uh, perhaps they might, since votes won't be split as much, uh, then, then perhaps uh, this new pack might give PASS a run for its money in Kedah. Irina, was there anything that stood out for you? Oh, I Actually, to be honest, the thing that stood out for me playing around with the calculator was how much turnout matters. Like, if you if you move the, the slider on the turnout, you can actually see that, wow, uh, Slango can go to pass. It's, it's possible if you if the turnout is a certain way. Um, whether or not that exact turnout is realistic, um, that's a different story altogether. But it really means that if you if lots of people decide that this election is not worth it and they just stay at home, they can really change the results of the election. Um, and I mean, it's proven in the Joho um, scenario, right? I mean, in, we discussed in the uh, article that um, in the state election, uh, very. Uh, Few people, like compared to GE15, about what was the number? The turnout about was 50, about 50%. So not many people went back to Johor to vote, and did, that was the result. But had it been concurrent, Pakatan Harapan could have formed government in, in um, Johor. So yeah, it really changes the turnout, uh, outcome of elections. We'll return to get to, I think explore some of these points in a bit more detail, but we are starting off our show today on the state elections by talking about Kini News Lab's election simulation calculator. Um, with us in the studio, we have Aidila Razak and Andrew Ong, uh, part of the team behind that, also both editors from Malaysia Kini. We'll continue the conversation. Let us know. How are you feeling about the state elections? What are some thoughts or worries that you have going in? Will having more data persuade you to actually get out there and vote? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note to zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. You can send a WhatsApp also and tweet us at BFM Radio. Brave Free Malaysia BFM eighty nine point nine The Business Station. It is 6.18 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn. Today we are talking about the state elections and starting off by talking about an election simulation calculator which was released by Kini News Lab which allows people to predict the outcome of the state elections by exploring GE15 data. Let us know, how are you feeling about the state elections? Any thoughts, worries? Uh, will having more data persuade you to cast your vote? We want to hear it. You can call 7733-2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. So um, continuing our conversation now with Aidila Razak and Andrew Ong from Malaysia Kini. Now, past President Tan Sri Abdul Hadi Awang has said he's confident that the green wave will hold up during the coming state elections. Based on data, your findings, um, can PN win in Selangor, Negeri Sembilan and Penang? So I'm going to talk specifically about uh, Selangor because there was one case study that we did uh, in our article. So it is plausible for Perikatan National to uh, 
form a government uh, in Selangor. And in the article, we came up with a scenario uh, to show you how it can be possible. So uh, in, in that scenario, uh, we, we said that uh, if the BN supporters, 50% of them, were to swing to Perikatan and topped up by another 2% swing from pa- Pakatan, right? uh, sorry, Pakatan Harapan supporters to Perikatan National, uh, then that will give them a simple give, that will give Perikatan National a simple majority of twenty nine out of fifty six seats. Um, however, the why 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 did we choose uh, to to use uh, BN as an example for uh, you know we would say that half of them were to uh, be more inclined to vote for Perikatan National because uh, a couple of experts, including I believe Kairi Jamaluddin, has uh, came on BFM to say that you know they are more that they are more likely to, to vote for, to change voting preference as compared to Pakatan Harapan supporters. Mm. So that's Selangor specifically. You mentioned Kedah earlier being an interesting state as well. Um, can you talk to us about what we can expect here? Um, so so we came up with a, a few scenarios. So in uh, Kedah, so in uh, Selangor, we say that it would take 50% of BN supporters to swing to Perikatan National, topped up by another 2% from uh, Pakatan Harapan. But in the case of Kedah, the gap is a bit narrower. So it will only take a 14% swing from uh, Perikatan National to the new Harapan BN pack uh, in order to see a change of government. Now... The state election will see this pact, the Pakatan BN1, being put to the test against Peikatan. It's a new political climate. I think everybody's still adjusting a bit. Um, I We've been talking about scenarios and different ways of looking at things. How have you accounted for voter sentiment considering these new alignments? Uh, our article uh, does not touch on sentiments, mm. so it purely relied on uh, what we could secure from the election commission. Uh, however, the market intelligence companies such as uh, Medeca Center, they are in the best position to, uh, to, to answer that question. And regularly, right before an election, uh, they will release their findings and their projections and their modeling as well. So, however, uh, at this point, uh, your listeners can uh, use our calculator. They can change the, uh, some of the variables themselves in terms of turnout, what are the possible vote swings, and they can project several scenarios, uh, which for now, uh, that will be useful to them. Can I also add on, on the issue of sentiment? Like We can't really account for it in the calculator itself, but we do talk to an expert who has been looking at sentiment, so uh, Dr. Sivar Murugan Pandian from USM, I believe. Yeah, so he talks about how he's expecting some, some level of protest votes from either BN or PH because of both the supporters who are not happy. Mm-hmm. So... That is something that I think when you're doing the simulation yourself, you may consider putting that into it as well. And what were some of the limitations that your team encountered in in this study and in this exercise? So the main uh, problem that we had was to decide on what would be a baseline turnout. And we only had uh, the Johor election to turn to because that was the first election after Undi 18 and after automatic voter registration. So... In that election, we estimate that uh, okay, uh, we we estimate that the the number of uh, 
people who turn the, the number of Pakatan Harapan uh, and Perikatan national supporters who turned out during the Johor election was significantly less compared to G15 in Johor itself. Uh, whereas well, we think that in uh, Barisan National, it was relatively unchanged. So using that turnout pattern, we kind of model everything else for all the other states. So we, we base all our scenarios uh, based on that. So uh, the, the using the Johor turnout was a bit problematic because uh, at the time borders were closed and there was a lot of apathy and then we were still having a lot of uh, problems with COVID at the time. Uh, but that that's the only option that we have. Uh, so and uh, another assumption that we held is that um, in the Perikatan National uh, Health States, as well as the Pakatan right, uh, Harapan Health States, uh, they have already maxed out their support base. That, that is the highest that they can go. So this, this is the assumption we have to hold uh, in order to make it work, or else there'll be too many, um, many variables for us to account for. And uh, we, we also did not account for 15 uh, state seats that were still uh, undergoing uh, election petition. And uh, we also cannot account for postal and early votes because uh, that is not granular enough in the score sheets that we got from the EC. So I think the thing about numbers and data is that it can often be difficult to communicate to the general public. Um, you know, not everybody finds it easy to absorb. How did you work to make the election calculator accessible and easy to understand? So uh, like I mentioned earlier, we had to limit some of the variables so that we can uh, reach the lowest common denominator and make it as accessible uh, to the public uh, as possible. And if the election commission actually make the data free without uh, any obstacles, then more people can work on the data and put their stuff up, you know, publish it in whatever platforms, TikTok, social media to help educate the public. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, just talking about just designing the calculator itself so that people understand we did so many rounds of testing within the newsroom outside of the newsroom and I mean the first time we did it no one knew how to even use the calculator like what is this can it move like what does it really mean so yeah after so many rounds we decided to kind of pare it down um, come up with video tutorials yeah it's it's quite a challenge and even in its current form I think it might be still alienating for some but uh, yeah as Andrew said the more people work on this data, the more we can come up with better ways to present it. So this was something that I think is maybe key to the whole thing. Do you think that being exposed to this data and understanding it will make a difference in how voters can think about the state elections and their decision, their own decision to come out and vote? De definitely, because you will know figuratively, you will know how your neighbours voted in your neighbourhood. And also you will have an idea of how different age cohorts vote. So in Australia, in Taiwan, this sort of uh, information is freely available. However, in Malaysia, it can also be a little bit dangerous because there are polling districts in uh, rural areas that are extremely small and therefore their information can be abused. Mm. And actually on that, what would you like to see done to help make information for projects like this more accessible moving forward? The Election Commission or... Um, the Prime Minister's office through Mampu should make all the granular election data available for free. You can set up a repo where anybody can access it. The, election, the granular voting data does not belong to the Election Commission. The election belongs to the people. The data belongs to the people. Thank you. So, uh, just we have a minute left, I think. Um, 
would you both like to kind of talk us through a final message? Anything you'd like to leave listeners with? Yeah, I mean, I'm going back to the turnout part because really that was my takeaway from the whole project because I didn't work on the data from the start. I'm, I came to it as kind of doing a sanity check, as, if you will. Uh, do I understand this data as a reader? Do I? Does it make sense? And really coming out of it is, wow, every person's vote really matters. So yes, we are in the condition where it seems like uh, whoever you vote for, it doesn't matter. You vote against this person and the next thing you know, he's in bed with the, with the person that you voted against. Yeah, so, you know, so it's all really makes people not want to come to the, uh, to the ballot. But yeah, you re- I think when you look at this, you realise that because of the system that we, we vote in, your vote matters, even though the configuration of the government may change later. Adila, Andrew, thank you both so much for speaking to us today. Thank you. Thanks. That was Adila Razak and Andrew Ong from Malaysia Kini, uh, both part of the team behind the election simulation calculator, which is what we've been talking about. Let us know, how are you feeling about the state elections? Will having more data, more data that you can understand, persuade you to cast your vote? You can call, you can send us a voice note, you can tweet us. You're listening to Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Break from monotony, BFM 89.9. It is 6.40 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn. Today, we have been talking about the state elections, but through the lens of turnout and why it matters. Now, this is coming up particularly because, of course, this time the state elections are separate to the federal for a number of states, including here in Slango. And I think that has people concerned about how many people will actually feel moved to you know, take the time and cast their vote. Uh, It's also coming as PN have continued to say that they feel very confident that they can take a number of other states um, outside of their traditional strongholds, thus continuing the, you know, quote-unquote green tsunami. And that's actually what I'd like to talk about today. Um, How are you feeling about the state elections? There's been a lot of news. I mean, as you look through it, or, you know, are you avoiding it? But anyway, as you look through it, how are you feeling? What are some concerns you have? Uh, what are some thoughts? And are you actually planning to cast your vote or are you feeling a little bit, you know, not so enthusiastic? Let us know. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, on the line with us, we've got a caller. We've got Sharon. Sharon, good evening. What are your thoughts? Good evening, uh, thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, my, my thing is that uh, the result will depend so much on whether Parikatan uh, National can have one-to-one fight with Kerajaan uh, Madani, Kerajaan Perpaduan. Even if that this uh, fight is a three-corner fight, most likely uh, the obvious winner will be PH. That's on my opinions and the data that I have right now. But the thing is that uh, if, let's say, there's a three-corner fight and uh, uh, PH won and BN lost uh, uh, quite significantly, what will happen is that the protest to Abno current president will accumulate and uh, there were rumours actually that uh, there were movement to out, out uh, Zaid Hamidi and if that happens... I am afraid that the federal government will change hand again. 
So the thing is that whether whatever that it is, it is between PH and BN and to see how they manage to uh, divide the 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 the, the, the uh, kursi and among uh, among themselves and have a one to one fight. That's my my, my opinion. Mm. Um, before we let you go, Sharon, I I'm curious to know um, whether or not you think uh, having more information will help people feel more involved. I guess in the state elections because that's what our earlier interview was about. So data. Last time I was, I I have the same feeling that having people uh, have access to data will let them. Uh, go and in, go in, get interested in, in uh, election. Eventually, uh, from my experience, it's not about the data, it's about the sentiments. Because even though you have data, the sentiment will change from time to time. If they think that there's no no point of voting, they will not vote. Hmm. Sharon, thank you so much for calling and for sharing. Actually, I think that that's the um, that's the question that I'd like to explore a bit more. Will data help in terms of getting people invested in voting, or does it all boil down to feelings in the end? If you want to weigh in, that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We've got some music now. In the meantime, again, the question is: um, Will having data help convince people to come out and vote, or is it just about feelings? Call, send us a voice note or WhatsApp. BFM eighty nine point nine. Breakfast for Masters. BFM eighty nine point nine. It is 6.49 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn. Today, our show is about the state elections and the importance of turnout when it comes to the ultimate results. Uh, This is something that was made clear in our first interview in which we spoke with two members of the team behind the election simulation calculator, which Kini News Lab released, which is an interactive article that allows you to predict the outcome of the upcoming state elections, including simulating um, supporter turnout, changes in voter preference. Um, It has an interactive map that shows what would happen or what could have happened if there had been concurrent state elections without split votes. Uh, you can see, basically, you can toggle around and play with the way in which changing the metrics changes the outcome, particularly in terms of turnout, which was a point that our guest made earlier. So in light of that and the data that's been released, the question today has kind of morphed into when it comes to getting people to vote, especially in a time where everyone's a little bit tired of politics, admittedly, what works? Is it data and, you know, showing people the the importance of their vote? Or does it all come down really just to feelings? So data versus feelings, that's what we're talking about. Uh, if you'd like to weigh in, you can call 7733-2900, send a voice note to 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. So we do have... okay. Two messages that I think contrast each other quite a bit. KW starts us off saying, Undi 18 is coming back to haunt Pakatan Harapan. Many young people now think of nothing but dying for their EPF withdrawal. Which I think is a is a kind of cynical take, to be honest, on, on the situation with Undi 18. Um, but Steve, in contrast, says, I'm 25. I actively keep myself up to date on politics. I will definitely vote in the upcoming state election. But I feel most of my friends are not 
as enthusiastic. So two contrasting takes there on the situation surrounding young people. And I I don't know. I Firstly, I don't... This is where, uh, as we heard earlier, data matters, because I'm not sure we have the data to support many young people now think of nothing but their EPF withdrawal, because we simply don't, you know, have the granular numbers on that. But Steve, to your point about... I'm interested, I will definitely be voting, but I feel most of my friends are not as enthusiastic. I I mean, I feel you. I think that that's the case for a lot of people. And that has always been the case a little bit for state elections, um, especially when they are separate like this. Tommy, meanwhile, says going because the current government needs all the support they need. So that appears to be a vote in favour of feelings, feelings over data in terms of what gets people out there. Um, Meanwhile, Nick says, I think data will make voters understand why the government does certain stuff when they are the government. Sometimes politicians have to take a step B when in government because they know certain information that the public does not. This is interesting. Um, So this has not so much to do with with the outcome or rather with the election-based data, but with data, data, data sets as a whole. And I, I mean, I think increasingly there is a gap between the kinds of big reports that we see the government uh, or think tanks or whoever putting out and what the public ends up consuming. I don't, I, I think part of it is just there's a lot of competing attention spans. There's a lot of stuff going on. And so there is a responsibility increasingly for us to, us, I mean, us, the media, to accurately help people understand these numbers. Because you're right, I think that data is helpful for voters to understand what's going on. But in order for that to happen, they also need to be able to ac- access the data. And raw data can really just look you know, it's difficult. It takes a whole team. Fadsley, meanwhile, says, I believe the green wave is a very real issue. I'm apprehensive about the possibility of another government change. If PN or PAS gain ground in the state elections, I think people might be underestimating their influence due to the recent silliness about concerts and nurse outfits. But like it or not, harping on these actually appeal to a not insignificant segment of the voter base. Sadly, I think data makes little difference. People tend to vote on sentiment, not facts. So increasingly, um, people leaning towards the sentiment side of things, which is what we're talking about today. I think the the question is, simply put, uh, considering that there is data out there that helps us understand how important voter turnout is, is that enough? Uh, Fundamentally, do people vote or what moves people to actually get up and vote? Is it feelings or is it having access to data? Uh, that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. Breaking financial matters. BFM eighty nine point nine. It is seven oh eight, and this is Inside Story with Lynn. We have been talking today about the state elections, not so much about the uh, ongoing daily back and forth politically that's happening in the headlines, but about the simple fact that they are nearing, they are coming soon. And um, in light of that, Kini News Lab released their election simulation calculator, which is an interactive article that allows people to predict the outcome by exploring or basing it on GE15 data. And one of the main things that we have been discussing today is turnout, because that's one of the metrics that was used within the simulation to determine how things are going or how things could go. And therefore, we've been asking, 
What is it that's more persuasive in terms of getting people out to vote? Is it data and having understandable, accessible, persuasive data? Or does it all boil down to sentiment and feelings? You can call 7733-2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. So earlier, we had a lot of votes in favour of sentiment and feelings, but Basil's kind of providing a different perspective, saying people go out to vote when they believe their votes matter. Projection uh, projection data of results can help to illustrate the value of their votes. It's depending on what they wish for. So Basil, I think that that is exactly the thinking behind the, the simulation calculator, the hope that the ability to see that your votes do matter in a very clear, direct way that hopefully gets people going. And I think that, you know, I'm asking this question as if it's a one or the other, but the truth is I believe it's probably somewhere in between, Uh, which is also where Lin Mark is coming at it from, saying, I tend to think the vast majority of people vote based on gut feeling, aka what messages resonate with me. But data is also very necessary for countering the sometimes sensationalist misinformation that can resonate so well with so many people. And, you know, I think that this is the key thing. I agree with you about gut feeling. I think that that's what it comes down to. But then what appeals to the gut is, uh, is is also going to differ for different people because we have some messages coming through that are saying, I just don't care anymore politically. I just, the country, I think it was Vincent who said, the country can go to the dogs and, and I don't care. And so what might get someone like Vincent back on board um, might differ greatly than what works for Basil, which is more data, for example. So what appeals to the gut, I think, will depend from person to person. And maybe it's why we need to take multiple approaches. Sarah, meanwhile... This will be my first time voting in the state elections if I actually know when it's going to happen. Most of my peers also don't know, nor do any of my seniors at work seem to be aware of it. It just feels like there is not enough awareness about or perhaps not enough significance placed on the state elections when compared to the general elections last year. Will they hold it on a weekday or a weekend? If it's former, I guess I'll have to take leave just to go vote. It's different from the general elections, which was a public holiday. Sarah, I... Okay, before I get to the facts, um, I think that you're right about enough awareness about or not enough significance placed on the state elections. This is interesting because um, within the media space or within, you know, uh, people who are interested or invested in politics, it does feel like a very big deal and it does feel like something that gets talked about a lot. But that's also a bubble. And outside of the bubble, I think, you know, hearing from you, it's really helpful to know that it's not all that big perhaps in certain groups or maybe even in in the wider sphere of things that people think about the GE but not so much about the state elections and and what's going to happen. Um, To your thing though, if you actually know when it's going to happen, so what I can tell you is that the state assemblies are dissolving but uh, and, and, you know, it's it's kicking off soon where we're going to see them rolling through in the headlines. However, the EC hasn't decided on a specific day yet. So at the moment, people's best guess is, you know, 
July and July, mid-August, things like that. that. That's what people are talking about. But that is an answer as to why you haven't actually heard exactly when it's going to happen. But keep an ear out um, and hopefully it will work out for you to go back and vote. Keep those thoughts coming. Um, will having more data persuade you to get out there and vote? Or for you, does it all boil down to sentiment? Is that more persuasive? Call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note to 018-789-8899 or a WhatsApp. You can also tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we're going to extend that conversation about the value of the vote with Ui Kok Hin, who is the Executive Director of Berse. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Building Fit Malaysians, BFM 89.9. It is 7.14 and this is Inside Story with Lynn. Today we are talking about the state elections and why every vote counts. So for that second part, um, we are shortly going to be joined by our second guest. But keep those thoughts coming. We're asking whether what is more persuasive in terms of persuading you to go out there and vote? Is it having access to data that helps you understand why your vote matters? Or is it about just that gut feeling. Uh, that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note to zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now is Uy Kok Hin, who is the executive director of Berse. Kok Hin, thanks for speaking with us this evening. Thank you for having me. So first of all, uh, what were your thoughts on Kini Lab's election simulation calculator? Do you think it's a good way to garner interest among voters? Yeah, I think it's a good initiative. Um, you know, I was sent it by a group of friends and I think my WhatsApp group has been playing around with it. I think it's a good initiative to gather voters' interest in the state election. It's very visually driven and it has an interactive component as well where you, you the user, can actually click an experiment and um, see, okay, if there's a dropout in the turnout among certain groups, what would the outcome be like? So I like the interactive um, platform. I think in a time where journalism, you know, is under threat uh, in terms of funding, and also there's a lot of um, so-called news websites that aim for quick baits, right? I think it's a very well thoughtfully done initiative, and I think um, we should congratulate Mr. Kini as well as you know Andrew Ong and Wichu Nam who were behind this project. So. We spoke to we spoke to them earlier and asked more or less this question as well. I wanted to put it to you. Why might it be important to have an understanding of previous voting patterns and how that data can inform the way we vote? Yeah, I think, you know, if you play around the website and I highly encourage everyone to go to the News Lab at Kini uh, website to play around with it. It basically show you, the data show you that the political situation right now is very fluid. It's very dynamic. And I think that is a counter evidence to those who might think that, oh, everything is the same in our politics, status quo, nothing is changing. Um, whether I vote or not, it doesn't make a difference. But when you look at data, the, the seat majority that certain parties have is actually, you know, it could almost be like a mirage. If you look at, okay, there's a vote swing here going on since the G15. And there's also, the strength is actually less than what it might appear. So, for example, um, if a party has, you know, 40 out of 50 seats in a state assembly, it doesn't mean they are that strong, actually. If the vote swing of, you know, just 5% among certain group can easily change the majority. You get what I mean here? Because the majority of the certain seats 
are not won by a wide margin. Certain seats in the city, maybe, you know, there are people who won their seat by like 100,000 majority votes, but that is not the case everywhere. So a 5% swing among certain voters, and not even swing, let's just say um, 10% of a certain voter segment decided to stay home because, okay, I don't, um, you know, I think that my party is winning. Uh, I, I don't like uh, the current candidate. I'll just stay home. Say 10% of them stay home. If you play around with the Kini website, it shows you that it has a, you know, a significant outcome of the, um, the electoral process. So this was something that uh, our listener Sarah brought up earlier, actually, because mm. she essentially said that GE felt like, you know, everyone knew about it. Everyone knew what was happening. But then state elections, she wasn't as, as certain. You know, she said that in her own mm-hmm. circle, people didn't seem that aware. Um, how motivated would you say voters are to go out and vote during a state election? What is turnout generally like when it is separated from the, the GE? Um, historically, I would say, you know, by-elections and state elections tend to have a lower turnout than general elections. Of course, right, in a parliamentary democracy in like Malaysia, uh, we tend to see the general election as, quote-unquote, the mother of all elections. Uh, each general election, we tend to say that uh, where the stakes are higher. But I think voters are not as apathetic as some people might think. Uh, there is actually, you know, we have very high turnout in the last general election, and it's just less than a year ago. So I think the political participation, the appetite is still there. Um, and I will also point out that the current um, states that are having elections, it actually feature about, I think, 9 million voters out of 21 million votes. So it's actually almost like a midterm election, if you will, right? Um, or even, you know, basically almost half of eligible voters are voting this time. So it's uh, almost like a general election, uh, so to speak, because of the six states. Um, I like what Sarah was mentioning earlier. She said that, you know, I don't know, I don't even know when the election is going to be. That's why I can't be you know, too excited. I don't even know it's a weekday or weekend. Um, and I think this is where, you know, Bursay, we just released a press statement here today. We are calling on the state governments, basically, to write to the election commission, write to the EC officially to inform them of the dissolution date. Now, some of them, uh, some of the Kerajaan Negeri state government have announced it to the media, right? But until they actually officially write to the election commission, the election commission cannot fix the nomination and polling date. So what we are asking is basically for the state governments to decide and write to the EC on the dissolution date so that the election commission can immediately fix and announce the nomination and polling date. So senang kerja semua We don't have to wait for this club uncertainty around us. And I think early announcement of polling date can increase turnout. It helps people like Sarah. It helps you to facilitate your travel, making your plans rather than any sudden announcement and you have to take leave and so on, right? So I think that is really something that we can do, uh, you know, to actually facilitate voter turnout. It's not just everything is on the owners of the voters, the election commission, the state governments, the politicians. We all have to do our part, basically, to facilitate access to voting. So that was Sarah, but we also heard earlier from Vincent who essentially said, nothing could make me come out and vote. I I just don't believe in this country anymore. What would you attribute that sense of apathy to? Do you think voters, uh, does it come down to not having enough of a grasp on the role state government plays or is it more to do with a larger sense of 
political apathy or exhaustion? Um, well, definitely there's some sort of fatigue exhaustion, but I think, you know, I'm not sure how big is the pool of voters who identify with Vince. I think there are a lot of people who are very invested in what's going on in, in the political process, in our democracy. You know, I think this is really an exciting time for Malaysian democracy. If you have lived, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, everything is status quo. Right now, everything is fluid. There are opportunities for reforms. Yes, you might feel like, oh, nothing is really happening, nothing major. Uh, we don't get everything we want. Political parties promise this in their manifesto and they are not executing it yet entirely at least. But really, um, I think in any other time of Malaysian history, uh, politically, there's you know, few times in history that there's so much going on here. And uh, speaking not just from Bursa's perspective, I think a lot of NGOs in Malaysia are quite you know, enthusiastically working in this era because there are so many opportunities for us to engage at different levels of government, whether it's local, uh, you know, uh, with the government agency, with the speakers of the Dewan Raya, Dewan Negara, MPs, members of parliament, minister level. There are opportunities and appetite for reform. And I hope that we don't, you know, uh, drop the ball this time, so to speak, uh, to, to push for reforms. And I think that includes the citizens as well. Um, you know, don't just give up, stay home, that kind of thing. Um, be involved in the process. Help pressure your politician. Help pressure your elected representative to, you know, save the park, for example. Save the public park from deforestation. Uh, push for certain uh, reform. So, for example, we got anti-hopping law done, uh, you know, last year. It, it has never in Malaysian history before we had an anti-hopping law, which helped to stabilize you know, the uh, political environment. Can you imagine we don't have anti-hopping law in after G15, the chaos that will happen? So there are things that are going on. Uh, I, I So I hope that people don't concede to, you know, cynicism and uh, just, you know, stay home and do nothing. Yeah. You know, this is something that you touched on a little bit earlier, but how would you illustrate the importance of each vote in the state election, particularly given the potential for a tight race? Well, number one, you can play around with the news lab by Malaysia <laughs> Kini. <laughs> you know, it does show you if everyone of your kind, you know, I'm not talking just about race, huh? I'm not talking about you know, like whether you are young people who are voting in uh, Negris Milan or you are a worker from Kedah but you are living in uh, Sabah and so on. So the, your, if everyone like you think the same and stay home, there will be a significant swing that will affect the results of the, you know, whichever party that you are thinking of that you want to be or not to be in government, it will uh, have an impact. So just to, you know, illustrate an example, right, for EG15, there are several close seats. There were four, you know, three corner, four corner fights. So the competitiveness of the elections is very high now in Malaysia, unlike the past. So really, this is really the time that your vote matters because there are like, you know, four or five um, parties vying for your vote this time. And let me just uh, quickly point out that in the absence of local government elections in Malaysia, which we used to have, by the way, um, but since we don't have it now, the state election that is going to happen soon is basically an indirect local government election too, right? Because your local councillors are appointed mostly by the state government. So, you know, uh, whether you want to change the congestion in your area, uh, whether the pengutipan sampah, the rubbish collection, 
um, so to speak. A lot of things are under the jurisdiction of the local government, and these are appointed by the state government. So if you're not happy with your local government, you know, this is the time for you to exercise accountability. This is the time for you to show to the state government who appoint these local councillors that, you know, your people are not up to par. We want to change. This is your time to send a signal. You spoke earlier about how everybody needs to play their part. Um, what sort of approach would you like to see coming from candidates and parties to engage with their voter base or to engage with the Rakyat as a whole to actually get them to come out? Um, well, definitely, I think most people would like to see that the politician, the political parties uh, offer a policy-based competition. What is your vision for the country? What's in your manifesto for, say, Selangor? What are your plans to develop Kedah? And, and not just pull off a grandstanding gesture claiming so-and-so state is, you know, actually belongs to you and so on. So we hope to see those substantive offerings from the political parties and for them to also offer um, viable candidates, right, um, that are actually capable uh, and not just popular within so-and-so political leaders and so on. Um, we are, I think mostly uh, people are very worried about the divisiveness right now in Malaysia in terms of increasing polarization, uh, in terms of ethnic and religious lines. So I think this is something that is very worrying and we hope that political parties and party uh, politicians refrain from competing based on those kind of divisive rhetoric. And if they don't do so, we hope that at least people who are supposed to be uh, enforcing the Election Offences Act will step in and penalise them. If, if anyone tries to incite you know, hate speech, racial and religious violence, I think we need the enforcement agencies to step in and say, no, this cannot be done. Kok Hin, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you. That was Ui Kok Hin, Executive Director of Berse, speaking about the importance of voting, of staying engaged and why every vote matters. Uh, this is, of course, in relation to the upcoming state polls, which I'm sure, you know, we will continue to cover. Coverage will ramp up once we know when the dates are, once um, more details are released. Thank you for listening to Inside Story, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.